0: Um, The first reading can be found on page 360 in the Bible. It's from the the Old Testament, and it's 1 Kings, verse 19, 1 to 7. Elijah flees to Horeb. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: So fear is a very strong emotion. It can instinctively protect us uh, giving us a shot of adrenaline to fight or flight it can drain us uh, being in a state of chronic fear or anxiety uh, causing us to freeze Uh, that's the third option of that instinctive response when we're in a place of uh, conflict or fear You can fight or flight or freeze. And if you ask someone who's ever been in the grasp of an anxious response, uh, who've become paralyzed by anxiety, it really is quite impossible to move. Fear can make us react in ways which are kind of unthought-through responses. They're instinctive reactions, And sometimes that can feel like it's a good or even clever response. Like Elijah, he was afraid because Jezebel, who is a powerful queen, is coming and she is going to rain down fire upon him. Elijah had been on such a high because he had just rained down fire Upon the prophets of Baal. But now the consequences of that encounter are upon him and Jezebel is coming. And he is afraid. And it says he got up and fled for his life. Which is probably, we might think, quite a reasonable response. But it's interesting that this is his instinctive response. Uh, His instinctive response is to save his life, to flee for his life. But once that initial adrenaline rush calms down, the effect of that and responding like that is to bring him low. And he says... It says, he came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. Well, then he might as well have stayed and waited for Jezebel. And it reminded me of uh, something that Jesus says in the Gospels in Mark and Matthew, that he says that those who seek to save their life will lose it. And those willing to lose their life for Jesus' sake will save it. Now, this is not to say that it was necessarily a bad thing for Elijah to run away from Jezebel in that moment, in that reality. It probably was his only option at that time. But I think there's something for us in recognizing the reality that our lives are a gift. They're not a right. A gift, in fact, over which we have little control. Our hearts beat, or not. Our lungs take a breath, or not. Actually outside of our control. We expect it, but it isn't a given. The only moment we have control over is the present one in which we are living. To choose to seek God in the moments of our lives, whatever they are, whether it's with a Jezebel on our tail or whether we're in a great moment of contentment. To choose to seek God in those moments, that is what gives us life seeking to cling to our lives in whichever way we want to cling to them, at whatever cost, will in some way lose us something of that abundant life. It's the great contradiction that dying to ourself, seeking God and dying to ourself, is the only way of life. That giving our whole self to God, becoming a slave to God, is the only way to true freedom and liberation. Thankfully, God is a God of grace. And Elijah finds that even in his uh, fleeing in that moment, in that instinctive response, even if he's not quite Seeing God in that moment, God is seeking him with food and sleep, the necessary things so that Elijah can make the journey. So we have grace and we have a challenge to be those who seek God. When we find ourselves contained and constrained, shackled by the cares and worries of life, and the future seems uncertain. May we be those who choose to choose life, who choose to seek God. So loving God, as we uh, think about this story of Elijah, we do pray uh, for ourselves We pray that uh, we can have our uh, minds and hearts open to seek you, even when we feel stressed, even when we feel uh, constrained by the the worries of life. So I ask that you help us now uh, to open ourselves to the possibility that giving all that we have to you is the way of true and perfect freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please do be seated as Bina reads our next reading.
2: The second reading is taken from Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 to 29. Galatians three, twenty-three to 29, and it's found on page 1170. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was a guardian until Christ came that we we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So the Christians of uh, the Galatian church, uh, a church which uh, Paul... Uh, had much fondness for it seems that they were arguing amongst themselves uh, about who were the most authentic christians twas ever thus uh, so if you ever feel a little bit despairing about uh, the universal church of god and the squabbles that we have between us know that it was there since the beginning. This is not an excuse, uh, but perhaps it gives us some comfort that Paul was needing to, uh, to tackle this, even in those first days of the early church. There was, was this idea amongst some of them, uh, which is seen in a number of the other epistles, and it's seen uh, in Acts. Uh, some of you will have read through the Book of Acts uh, that we did over Lent, and you will have seen it, that uh, those who had come from Jewish families were really the proper Christians because they knew how to do it properly. There was still this argument uh, that they needed to adhere to the Mosaic law the law of Moses, the Torah, the Jewish laws, and all that that meant therein. Things like circumcision and food laws, uh, so that people needed to adhere to these in order to be Christians. Ultimately, that there was a way in which you needed to become Jewish before you could become Christian. Paul, uh, St. Paul, who, as we know from elsewhere, describes himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees. He is the ultimate Jew, with all the credentials that he could ever need uh, to, provi- to prove uh, his authenticity. So Paul, then, is in the best position to argue against this idea that you needed to become a Jew in order to become a proper Christian. After all, it's an idea that serves him. If it was right that somehow God had these favorites, uh, then Paul would obviously be one of those favorites, would be God's special guy. But Paul from his place of privilege, actually argues against this. I have to say, it reminded me reading this. I don't know if any of you have ever read the book The Shack. Anyone read that? It's a story um, that draws on what God looks like in Trinity. um, And uh, based on a story of great suffering, this person has a vision of God in the three persons. Um, and the the depiction of the father uh, in Father, Son and Spirit within that um, is a is a black woman called Papa. Um, and it's is quite a wonderful image. And Papa is known to say to everyone, um, I'm especially fond of you. Um, so it is special but everyone is included in the specialness. So we're all God's favorites in that way. Anyway, transgression. Um, So Paul, from his place of privilege, argues against the idea that you need to join this club in order to join that club. His argument is that the Torah has been fulfilled in Christ Christ. The law has been completed in Christ so that those who follow the law now can be one together with those who are children of faith. And the kicker is that everyone can be a child of faith. And if everyone can be a child of faith, then anyone can be a child of faith. No matter your history, your heritage, your own particular weirdness, whatever that is, anyone can be included. Now don't underestimate the kind of dynamite that this would have been within this particular community. It was absolutely explosive stuff. For those with Jewish heritage, particularly. Because for them, there was no greater divide in terms of categories of human being than the Jew and the Gentile or the Greek. When St. Paul writes, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, he's putting this first in the way that he's writing it, Because in that culture, that is the greatest divide. That's how you write in Greek. The most important thing, the biggest thing, the most significant thing is written first. It's why I was saying earlier on today, it's quite important in the book of Acts that when we have Priscilla and Aquila leading a church, that Luke writes Priscilla's name first is really important. It's telling you that actually she's leading that church. In that context, that would have been unusual and quite important for him to write it. So Paul here writes Jew and Gentile because that's the most explosive division in terms of human beings. The next biggest category of division is whether you are a freeman or whether you are a slave. And only then, in third place, whether you happen to be male or female. It's interesting. I wonder what we would say today. So, when Paul wrote, There is no Jew or Gentile, it would have felt like the world was caving in. These categories, because we like to put people in categories, were how people knew that they were okay with God, it was how the world was ordered. Without them, how do we even know who we are? Importantly, how do we know who's in charge? How do we know who is most important? I want to be in the most important category. I wonder what categories we would struggle with combining as one today. What would Paul have written if he was writing to us today? You will have your own list. I thought, there is no longer Roman Catholic or Anglican or Baptist or Methodist. There is no longer black or white. There is no longer male or female, because I think that's still part of the deal. Perhaps there is no longer able-bodied and disabled, straight or gay, conservative or liberal, Brexiteer or Remainer. Now, Paul, I don't think, was saying uh, that we aren't to see difference in diversity, because in fact it's really important that we do embrace and see the wonders uh, of diversity in the different kinds of human beings that God has made. But the point is, when it comes to who can be included in the body of Christ, who can be children of God through faith, who is important to God, the answer is everyone, and anyone. It was a scandal then, and it's still a scandal now. But you are no longer imprisoned under the law. You are children of faith. You belong to Christ. And even sometimes as uncomfortable as it might be, you are called to sit alongside all the others who belong to Christ as well. I always remember listening uh, to the then Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan uh, Williams, to say that the closer that we are drawn to the cross, to sit at the foot of the cross, the closer that we are drawn to sit beside one another. And you don't get to choose who you sit beside. The scandal is that everyone and therefore anyone can be included as a child of God through faith. So loving God, we thank you for this, uh, this message of this type of inclusivity in which all are invited to belong to you. And we pray for ourselves that we receive afresh that uh, sort of knowledge of our belonging in you so that we may feel free to include other people so that we don't feel we need to defend our faith or our way of responding to you but we are secure in your love and that we are drawn closer and closer to you so that we may be more and more uh, open to drawing others closer to you as well. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into the solitary place. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home, and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Do be seated. So I wonder uh, what you might feel shackled by what are the things that keep you bound? What is it that estranges you from your community, your friends and family? Jesus is in the business of liberation. This well-known story of demons and pigs and cliffs. Uh, picks up on an ancient story, which is found in Leviticus chapter 19 uh, in the Hebrew scriptures. Something called the Day of Atonement. And I always like it, I can't remember who said it, but it's a, atonement uh, is one of those words that you can read in a number of ways. And I quite like it when people say it's at one the at one The Day of Atonement. Today, uh, in uh, the Jewish faith, that's Yom Kippur. Now, in the ancient times on this day, it was a day when the high priest gathers the people of God together. And in order to cleanse the sins of the people, two goats are brought as a sin offering. It's in the days of sacrifice. One goat is sacrificed in the usual way to the Lord as a sin offering. And the other goat has the sins of the people laid on it in a ceremonial way as the priest lays his hands on the head of the goat. And then the goat is sent away. Uh, In some translations, that goat is known as the scapegoat. The word is Azazel. This is the goat for Azazel. And no one really knows what it means. This is the goat that takes the sins of the people and is released into the wilderness or potentially in some traditions thrown over a cliff. And I can't help but think that this important ritual was somewhere in Jesus' mind when these pigs take the demons from this man off the cliff in the hill country of the Gerasenes. And it's important that this is in the hill country of the Gerasenes. These are unclean people to the Jews. You know, they keep pigs of all things. And so Jesus, in his own journey, in being uh, the savior of the Jews and of the Gentiles, shows that the Gerasenes too might be included in being children of faith. Everyone and anyone can be children of faith. A people who are not Jews, who keep pigs. And whose sins may too be forgiven. And of course this story all the way through echoes into the future as well. In which Jesus himself takes on the role of both goats. The sacrificial goat and the scapegoat. It's interesting that these are goats. And we often talk about the Lamb of God. And we have a funny relationship between goats and sheep, don't we, as Christians? But these are goats. So Jesus takes on both of those roles found in the Day of Atonement. The taking away of the sins of the people. The things that bind and constrain the people, whatever they are. Paving the way for us all to be liberated, forgiven and free to be in God's presence. So Jesus has always been in the business of liberation. Whether you are fleeing for your life, like Elijah, whether you're struggling with the scandal of the gospel, that is for everyone and anyone, or whether you are shackled by something that maybe only you know, may you discover again the freedom of God, the grace of God, and the truth that if it is the Son who sets you free, you will be free indeed.